Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Dom Harvey Podcast, brought to you by the Generate KiwiSaver Scheme and Radix Nutrition. Coming up, Andrew Webster. First, I'd like to thank the most beautiful woman in the room, my wife. She's, she's a good sort, knows nothing about football, which is the best thing about it. But she's let me chase my dreams, move countries, become a head coach and have your first baby in a different country. You're a champ, Emma. I love you. Yeah, head coach of the NRL team, the Warriors, Andrew Webster, or Webby as he's known to his players and friends. That's me. I'm his mate now. They had a phenomenal season in 2023. He coached the Warriors to their first semi-final in years and won the hearts of the entire nation at the same time. We chat about the strategies used to build a winning team spirit, including a Navy SEALs thing called Extreme Ownership, which I love. How he balances his full noise job and family life with a newborn son, the Up the Wars movement, the Bunker Ref, the revival of Sean Johnson, his viral winning speech for the NRL Coach of the Year, and so much more. This episode offers a look into the mind of a rugby league genius who is shaping the game here in New Zealand. Just before we crack into it, massive thanks to the teams at Radix and Generate for making this episode happen. If you want 2024 to be the year that you bring your health and fitness goals to life, Radix can help. All their products are absolutely world class and they're made right here in New Zealand. Check them out and bookmark their page or follow them on social media, radixnutrition.co.nz and Radix is spelt R-A-D-I-X. Also the Generate KiwiSaver scheme. Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of chart-topping long-term performance. If you want to make sure you're making the most of your KiwiSaver account, talk to an advisor now. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash get advice that's generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash get advice a copy of their product disclosure statement can be found there too the issuer of the scheme is generate investment management limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns okay this is so exciting i hope you guys love this one andrew webster on the Dom Harvey podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Wow, first of all, up the wires. Yeah, up the wires, mate. What are you? How <laughs> yeah, good. Hey, um, mate, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm probably going to fanboy a little bit because I can't believe, you know, you're over at my place doing this <laughs> podcast. Um, it's a real sort of pinch myself moment. I think this is a lot about you. Like, I just miss it. I got your number off a mate. I messaged you and you just said, yep, I'll do it. But message me in a month. And then sure enough, true to your word, here you are. Yeah, no, well, yeah, it's a, it was a bit busy period, particularly towards the end of the year. So... I said no to lots of people trying to focus on the finals, and yeah, I wanted to get it done, so I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, do you, you must get a lot of invites to go on podcasts and things. How do you decide what you're going to do and how you, what you're not going to do? Oh, I don't, I don't really know. I just I work it out from time to time, probably depending on the schedule. Now's a pretty good time of the year, so um, mm. but yeah, no, I, um, you're very polite, so if people are polite and ask nicely and they're patient, then 
you're often willing to do things for people, aren't you? <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, you were like, message me in a month. So exactly a month later, I messaged yeah, you. Then you're like, give went, me another couple of weeks. Alarm went, and then you went there. So it was good. <laughs> I've tried the same with, um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Scott Razor Robertson. Yeah, of course Yeah, I messaged him like about a year ago and said, oh, do you want to come on my podcast? And he's like, I've got a rule. I only do one a year. So I messaged him, New Year's Day. New Year's Day the next year, and he's like, oh, I'm not ready just yet. Message me message me in a couple of months. So I messaged him, like, 1st of March. Um, but, no, nah, he's a no-go. Oh, there yeah. you go. Okay. But um, there is so much to discuss with you, and, I mean, the impact that you've had on the NRL, uh, the impact that you've had on New Zealand culture since you've been here. But, first of all, very, very tough question. Who is Andrew Webster? <laughs> uh, he's a knockabout guy, I suppose. He <laughs> loves his family, loves his friends, loves socialising. Loves all sport, really, um, obviously particularly rugby league. And, yeah, just love helping people get better, and that's probably why I love coaching. And, um, yeah, I'm, I like a good time, I suppose. I research these things as much as what I can, and uh, there's there's a lot of like podcasts that you've been involved with online, but it's generally just focused on, like, league chat. Yep. So it's hard to scratch beneath the surface and figure out who Andrew Webster the person is. Well, there is a league sports writer with the same name, though. That must get tricky. Yeah, it used to get a lot more tricky when I was probably in more of an assistant coach. Uh, people would have my number and his number, and they would text me <laughs> pretending to be him, like meaning they wanted to speak to him, or they would text him. Uh, when they should have been talking to me. So it got to be tricky there for a bit, but yeah. all, all smooth sail. Yeah, so you're, you're from um, you're from like a like a, a league-obsessed family. Yes. That's one thing I can gather. So you, you were a pretty decent player? I was average at best, but, you know, I played lower grades for, for junior reps for the Tigers and Paramount Eels. So yeah. at that stage, I thought I was doing all right. But um, that's the thing that all these young players will find out. And only They say to you only probably one or two get through from each age group, and... I thought I was tracking all right and probably got a rude shock when I, uh, as the standards started to rise, that I just wasn't athletically gifted enough. So, But I always thought I understood the game, so um, I thought I'd have a, have a crack at coaching and I loved it and wanted to stay involved in the game, so I got involved in coaching early. Yeah, it was, Do you think it was sort of your destiny in a way? Your, your brother's a coach as well, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a coach too, yeah. And I, I heard, I don't know if this is, um, this is fake news, but I heard your sister as well, like when you were little growing up, um, you know, you get a lot of people that pretend to, to be the players. They pretend yeah. to be uh, Nathan Cleary or Sean Johnson, yeah. whatever. She pretended to be a, like a, a coach? She pretended to be like a coach slash commentator and she'd radio down on the phone <laughs> and she'd tell them what they're doing wrong and then she'd go sideline Andrew Webster and then I'd have to say my comments. And we'd sit there and watch Friday Night Footy and like three idiots. And But we love it. She was the eldest, my brother James, so eldest Catherine. James is the middle brother and then I'm the youngest, so... I'm no doubt I was getting the crap job, whatever I had to do. Bunker, bunker, guy. bunker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll Lucky get to that. You wouldn't have one then, but yeah, that <laughs> um, was the job I would have got it. So, what, what sort of age are we talking when you're pretending to be coaching? Oh, I'm sure my sister would have been like ten. I would have been. I would have been. So that means I would have been five and a half, I suppose. That's yeah. unreal. Yeah. So yeah. Like who? Like who? Seriously, who does that? Oh, I think I don't know. I think kids all love imagination, don't they? And love. But, but, but they, you want to be the the star. You want to be the man in the arena. Yeah. Well. I, like I said, I was the youngest, so whatever my sister and brother told me I was doing, I think I'm guessing my brother would have been least more most excited about doing it because James is he probably like you say would have been thinking about being in the arena, and then my sister there, she was she was slash commentator slash coach. She was giving lots of advice. <laughs> I remember Benny Elias needed to go to the short side. I remember that one about three Do, times. Does does she still message you now with thoughts on no, games? And no, no, she's the opposite. She's a, she's a good coach in her own right at netball. Um, but she's no, she's more 
more supportive than giving yeah. advice. Um, one other thing I um, picked up that you said in an interview or somewhere, you're a fan of horse racing. Yes. Is it like a punter or? No, no I more just love the, the game. I mean, I, my my pop, my uncle's horse trainers, and then um, but more harness racing. And then um, I've always loved the gallops, but then I decided to buy a gallop, galloper two years ago and put all my friends and family into it and just had a, like a small share. We're going to race in picnic races and um, we got lucky enough that it became a really good race or so. I've got become a bit of a hobby. I think everyone's got outside. Yeah, so, I mean, I could sit there and not have a bet on a race and watch it and love it and enjoy it. Um, so it's not it's not about the gambling, it's, it's about the actual thrill of racing. Right, so you're not looking on your phone, just having a couple of bucks on whatever's going on at Mooney Valley in the middle of the week? <laughs> not at this stage, no. <laughs> and what about in your spare time? What do you do? Um, oh, I've just had a son. So I've had Max, um, he's only six months. Um, obviously my wife's made a huge sacrifice coming over mm. here and um, we live here. So, yeah, I'll, you know, the most important thing is spending time with Max at the moment and them. Mm. And then the other thing would be just friends and family. Love socialising, love getting around, love going out for dinner. That'd be my favourite thing, I'd say, is going out for dinner. And yeah, where, where, do you, where do you go? What does that look like for you? Oh, anywhere in Auckland. Auckland's got great yeah, food, yeah. yeah. I could be, it could be a pub. We're going to go up the road to a pub tonight and have dinner after this. and then, Or it could be uh, a fine restaurant, but steak's my favourite and seafood, so... Um, if you got that, I'm I'm keen. Oh mate, have you have you been to Jewvoice Steakhouse? Yes, love it. Yeah, oh, yeah, shit, need to go yeah, again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so your wife Emma, M, Emily. Oh, sorry, M. Yeah, she'll shoot me if you say. Oh, really? <laughs> Why did I think it was Emma? No, um, no. So has, has you just signed like signed an extension on your contract? So you're here for like another five years. Correct. Yep. So um, how's she? Has she made friends here? Has she got friends yeah, here? She's got friends here. I mean. How did she make them, like, like antenatal class? or <laughs> No, I think it's been more, well, one was actually through one of those classes, but um, most of it's been obviously through football, and we were here before too, so. We yeah, 2015. Prior, so, and she was here for, with me for the second year of that of that time, so, um, yeah, I don't know, we just get out there and meet people. Um, we're probably going to make some more friends, I suppose, with, they always say when you have young kids you make more friends, so, mm. yeah, but no, she's she's super dependent woman, Um she loves being a mum right now. That's probably her main focus. And, uh, yeah, we're having fun. Yeah, Love that's New Zealand. Like, love being here. Love Auckland. I've, it's I've, enjoyable. I've heard you say that. You're such a good ambassador for this country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, because you were here as assistant coach for, was that Andrew McFadden? Yeah. Yeah, so 2015, 2016. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and so where did you live then? What area? I just lived across the road here, across the road Vic, uh, near Vic, Vicky Park in uh, the Beaumont section. Vicky there. Park. By the way, that's the most Australian abbreviation ever. I've never heard it called Vicky Park. <laughs> All right, Victoria Park. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vicky Park. No, it's they lived over there, loved it. Could walk everywhere. So, yeah, found Auckland an amazing city. And Yeah. Yeah, it was when I got the opportunity, I was keen to come back. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you're here, you've got a busy job, and you're doing very well, but... Uh, I mean, if, if home life's not good, it's never going to work, is yeah, it? No, like she, I, if she's homesick, it's yeah. deal done. No, that's right. I think like it's clear for any player that if they're happy off the field, then they're going to play their best football. So it's always most important that you're happy. And yeah, we've got a good balance in our life. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So, so your son Max, he must have been born like smack bang in the middle of the Warriors season. Yeah, we played the Broncos in Napier, um, born the day before the game. I literally left her at the hospital. She drove herself to... Uh, to birth care afterwards and uh, <laughs> went to the game. That's our rock solid she is. That's savage. And Would she had a, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but a cesarean too, so I don't know if we meant to do that. Oh, was it like an elected one so that... Oh, no, it was just... Like a scheduled one? Just, like? No, it was just last minute. Would, would, would you have missed the game if the need be? Or? Oh, for the birth, I was always going to miss the game. If I is had that to. right? Yeah, the birth was... I'd never miss uh, him being born, so... Mm. Um, but, yeah, there was a deal once... Uh, once the, if it didn't clash, um, then I was off. You managed to do everything. Actually, lucky. actually, yeah. That rem- so Sean and um, Sean and Kayla, they must have had their baby around about the same time. Uh, yeah. So well, Sean had a milestone game due to play uh, in Parramatta, and we didn't think that it was going to happen. And then Kayla felt like she was going to be fine, so she said, "Get on your bike and go." And obviously, her being a professional sportswoman herself knows what it's what it's like and how much you want to win. So she sent him on his way and had full support and lucky enough that nothing happened while he was away and got to get back for the birth. Because mm, you did it, I can't remember exactly what the line was, but you did a, like a media stand-up thing and you had a very funny line about that. Can you remember, what was that? Something like if the baby, if you got the call that the baby was coming on, on game day, what was your, what was your oh, joke? I said if the baby's coming in the morning of the game, he can leave. If it comes at half time, then he's staying. So, uh, <laughs> that was a joke, but yeah, it was it was very funny. Yeah, we were trying to trying to think of ways. What was his last cut off to get back on a plane that night? What was the last flight? So I think it was like seven thirty, and I think he would have to have left around half time for him to get there. If got the <laughs> you thought it all out? No, we thought about everything, yeah. don't we? So oh yeah, so how did you and him meet? Uh, we met at work actually. She worked at the Paramount Eels. I was assist, uh, assistant coach slash twenties coach then. Um, and yeah, she rolled up and was in the office next to me. So she was very shy. Um, I was a bit outgoing. So so I got to meet. We were friends. I left the club and then um, kept in contact. And then yeah, we started dating just before I left to come to the Warriors. And then we just put it on ice for twelve months. And then I said, "Come on, come over." And so she got to experience New Zealand in two thousand sixteen. How good! Because oh, when you did your, your daily speech um, for Coach of the Year, you said she she's not interested in the league, knows nothing about league. Nah, not interested. But if she worked at the club. She must know. Well, she, it's quite funny because she actually worked in a really important role. She was in charge of <laughs> typing up players' contracts. Um, like she could sit there and tell you what every person's salary was on, like stuff that people in the press and media would love to know, her friends would know, and she couldn't even tell you what number they were on their back. So she didn't. She didn't care anything about it. She just enjoyed her job, enjoyed the people. Um, yeah, had zero interest in what actually was happening on the field. Has she got an understanding of it now? More of an understanding? Uh, no, I wouldn't does, say no. But what, what does she do for the games? Does she watch she them? Goes, she goes. When people cheer, she cheers. She understands when it's a <laughs> um, But I like it like that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, like I think if I asked Em to get involved and learn it and understand it, she would. I, 
I like coming home and she just says good, well done or bad luck, you know, and she's so neutral all the time. She changes the subject when I've had a bad day at work into something else and we start talking about something else. Instead of coming home and going, oh, he was bad and giving me all this advice, telling me what everyone was doing wrong or right, she, I come home and she's so neutral about it and supportive, um, really cares when we win and cares when we lose, but she doesn't care about the detail of the game mm. or how it happened or give advice, so... I suppose that's your job and your business. Yeah, she's a trooper. Yeah, yeah that was um, a hell of a speech you made. So the Daily <laughs> M Coach of the Year. Did you feel like you were gonna you were gonna win? I feel like it sort of had to be you or Ivan that one, really. Oh, you, I think Kevin Walters too. I mean, I feel I feel hard, the Coach of the Year is hard because um, there's two coaches that are in the grand final, and that was Kevin Walters and, and Ivan Cleary, and the award gets given that week. So um, I feel like they're probably the two best coaches of the year, if you ask me. Mm. Um, so they've done a great job, but I was privileged to win it. Um, I wouldn't say it was a goal of mine, but to actually um, Mount Meninga to present me coach of the year was a huge honour. You know, like that was that was amazing. So and he's an idol of mine growing up as a kid. So yeah, it was a, <laughs> yeah. he was the captain of Australia when I was yeah. a kid supporting. Um, my sister was probably ringing him, telling him what to do down the sideline. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it was a great honour. But yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to win. I wasn't sure. Everyone told me I was going to. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to get ahead of myself there. Mm. It was it was a great speech, and um, yeah, you you started off by giving a shout out to M, uh, yeah. your wife. You called her um, a good sort, a champ. And the most uh, beautiful woman in the room. Um, it was a it was a great speech. Was she um, she looked like she looked embarrassed, but embarrassed in a good way. What did she say when you sat back down? Oh no, she yeah, she was she was definitely embarrassed. I mean, uh, M doesn't like attention. Um, doesn't like to be the limelight. She likes to be there in the backgrounds. But um, I think she was she was grateful that I I thanked her for everything she'd done because mm. I wouldn't be here without her. So I think she was really appreciative of that. Um, but probably didn't need to do it on the on the national stage. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure she. I mean, it's a lot of sacrifices the um, the, the partners make. Eh? So definitely. to give them that acknowledgement, I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yeah. I remember we got the job. Um, it was a big decision. We we knew we were pregnant with Max, or we were just or we were we were trying to one or the other, and to go away from your your family or your first child, um, particularly when your husband's away uh, every second week. She's done a great job. Mm. You had um, no notes, and it, it felt like you said all the all the right things. You acknowledged all the right people, said all the right things. Did you sort of plan? And you, like, how do you how do you do your speeches? You sort of plan in your head what you're going to say. If I plan, I'm hopeless. So I would I'd fall over and wouldn't know what to say. So, but I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. You, you think the people you love, you think the players, because you're not there about the players, and you think the people who gave you the opportunity, and that was Cameron and Mark Robinson. So, um, you know, the players this year, I'm a reflection of them. So. And when they do well, um, uh, I get praised. But at the end of the day, they're the ones making the tackles and scoring the tries. So mm. I, I didn't think it was going to be complicated. I was from the heart. That's what I felt. You know, I try not to complicate things. And yeah, <laughs> I, oh, no, we, well, I, I thought it was a phenomenal speech. Yeah, I, I just wondered if any sort of thought went into it. No, no, not so much. No. Yeah, um, and yeah, one thing you did say is um, you said um, to your team, "I love you boys so much," which um, I I thought that was really significant. I thought yeah. that was a, like a. a to, like to me, that um, almost seems like a real sort of like culture shift, or you, you know, like you you, th- you mentioned Mel Meninga before, and yeah. players that you watched growing up. There's no way like Wayne Bennett in the 1990s would would tell tell his team he loves them. Like, <laughs> Probably not. I mean, it's only it's only, a, it's only a word. It's not that big a deal. But I think the, the fact that you said it on that stage, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, anyone knows me. I'm not scared to 
show my show my emotions or what I think. Um, I don't know. I, I generally do that. We've got a great group of players, but they're a great group of people. You know, they they work hard, they get along. You could sit down and have a one-on-one conversation with any of them and then actually enjoy it. They're um, going through lots of things off the field, like good and bad, and you sort of ride the roller coaster with them. Like, if I could tell you, which I wouldn't, um, so many conversations of the um, just some bad times and hardships that they all go through, um, and then obviously there's some real celebration. So I do. I generally built relationships with these guys, and I love them. So mm. I'm scared to say it. Uh, oh, that's really cool. So. It was it was really cool. And yeah, uh, yeah. Have, have you always been quite sort of um, you know like vulnerable? And good uh, at showing um, sort of vulnerability? I think more so around myself, yeah. Like around my own performance, I'm pretty honest about myself and willing to show if I make a mistake, for example, I would admit it, you know. Um, I feel I'm okay with that. I, I suppose there was a stage in my life where, like you say, showing showing people how much you uh, care for them is not always the uh, manly thing to do. No, especially with Australian and New Zealand males, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, um, yeah, I'm just... Real comfortable in my skin right now, so I don't doesn't worry me to say that. But I'm I don't think I I'm not sure I would have been like that all all the time. Yeah. So yeah. So so, so the Warriors um, phenomenal year this year. You, you first came here 2015 for two years. That was your first NRL job. The assistant coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. First assistant coach. Yeah, I worked in the NRL prior Tigers, Parramatta as under 20s, and I was like what you call like the transition coach mm. where I'd help those 20s guys to transfer into NRL so yeah but I that yeah he was my first assistant coach job in the NRL and I was in charge of the attack and yeah I can still remember it it feelings like such a huge responsibility at the time mm. Mm. so how did the team how did the team do then um we missed the playoffs both years um first year we were top four uh halfway through the year and I don't know if you remember Sean broke his leg against Manly so um I know it's it sucks relying on one, on one player, but he is your halfback, and we crashed and burned at that time. And then mm. the next year, we were one game away from the top eight again and failed, unfortunately. But I had two great years here. Like, I learned a lot about myself and about New, New Zealand culture. There is actually, I feel, there's a difference. Um, and yeah, it was just a, it was an amazing time. Met so many friends, and I, I feel like I got miles better at my job. And still, really grateful for Andrew McFadden what he taught me and the responsibility he gave me. Mm. Yeah, so the um, the the coach I have sitting in front of me now, like, do you th- how how much of it is uh, like parts of um, people that you've worked with along the way, like Andrew oh, McFadden, heaps. Ivan Cleary? Yeah, heaps. Oh, I think the 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 best thing I've always learnt from probably Ivan, particularly the last coach I worked with, is always be yourself, and you can't copy and paste everything, and you got to take the best pieces and the worst parts. From wherever you've been, you got to implement them. And why I bring up the worst parts is because you learn lots of lessons when you see things done the way you wouldn't do them or the way you don't think they should be done. And then you get really excited when you see a coach that reassures you that this is actually the way to do it. Um, but, yeah, you've got to have your own style because if it's not authentic and it's not you, then the players read that from a mile away and mm. they think, oh, this guy's not being himself. And the moment that happens, you're gone, like, you you got to make sure you're yourself and you've got your own ideas and your own style. Mm. And yeah, I feel like I'm real comfortable with that at the moment. Yeah. What what makes you so good? Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know. Oh, oh come on. Oh, come on. Be honest. Because um, what I read about you, someone talked about just how good at attacking you are. Like what the yeah, you've been called an attacking whiz or a mastermind. <laughs> so what what does that mean exactly? Um, like I'm, I I know probably as much as your wife does about league. 
I don't know. I think I think I've learned to simplify things. Um, so we've got a great um, coaching staff, uh, and they're all got their own roles and capacity. Um, my last job at the Panthers, I was an attacking coach, but I got to work with probably some of the best attacking players in the world. So that always helps. But I feel like you can complicate defence and attack in rugby league in general. And if you have some real small focuses, instead of being a jack of all trades and you and and you're not a master of none, then that's never going to get you where you need to know. So I don't try and cover every facet of attack and defence or the game of rugby league. Just try and focus on what's the most important things and instead of being just okay at it, um, we want to be the world's best at it. And that's mm. what we're trying to achieve. Mm. So, so as, as head coach, you've got other coaches um, yep. beneath you. So, like, so, so, yeah, so what's your job exactly? I'm guessing a lot of it is like you mentioned before about the, the intimate conversations you have with some yeah. of the players. I'm guessing a lot of it is like being a, almost like a counsellor in a way. Yeah, it, I definitely think it is. I mean, you... you have so many one-on-one conversations you close the door talk to the individual making sure everything's going well about their football and about their home life um, I think my role is I've certainly got a real understanding and idea and how I think we should play but I make sure that our coaches believe the same thing and I want to hear their ideas and I want to make sure they're empowered and um, they're in charge of different different elements of our game and uh, and actually trust them and I do I trust them because they're so good at their job so mm. Um, that it enables me to free me up and um, have those one-on-one conversations. But I always still feel like I've, I've got my eye on the football and I've got the, my eye on the detail, I should say, on what we're doing mm. every day. Yeah, I'm not sure where I heard this. It may have been in a, in a podcast that one of the players did or I may have read it somewhere, but a, um, a, a kind, of a, kind of a biggish deal, I guess, has been made of the fact that um, players have to walk past your open office door when they arrive and when they leave. Yep. Is that a thing or...? Yeah, yeah, so we've got a door in, one door in, one door out policy. It's just it's just the way our facility's really built, really. <laughs> well, um, it's just a design thing. <laughs> well, it's just a design thing that, like, uh, if there's five or six doors in the facility that could get you to their sheds, and if they had a bad bad night and they wanted to avoid you because they, you know, looked a bit tired or bad night's sleep, they could, they could go in the back door easy to their sheds and you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't be able to read their body language. But you wouldn't be able to check in and just build that relationship anyway. Just a simple hi, how are you? Um, and then on the flip side, let's say things haven't gone well, they haven't trained great, and then they just want to leave in the back door. They're going home unhappy, aren't they? So mm. they're not feeling good about themselves. As if they walk past you, they can sit down, they can clear it up. Uh, you can say, can I see you for a second? They can check in with the coaches. Then they leave feeling really good about it. They feel like they've got things off their chest, and they want to come back the next day. Because if you think about anyone's job, if they want to come back the next day, they're going to give you everything they've got. As if they don't want to come back, they're not enjoying it, they're just going to give you a half half ass effort, aren't they? Mm. So that door is very much about the facility, but what it gives us is make sure it creates a bond between the coaches and the players and make sure we, we clear things up and we just yeah, create those relationships. Mm. So 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 the players like you and they want to play for you? Well, is that part of You'd have to ask them. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get them to like me. I just hope that yeah. I hope that happens naturally. So I'm not. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to like me mm. or I'll do whatever. Because if I just want to please them, yeah, and be a pleaser, then they're going to see straight through that. Yeah, and you can't so be everyone's mate. Can you can't you? be everyone's mate. But if it organically happens and I'm honest and I can mm. show I care about them and I listen to them, then I think we're going to get that anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm. 
yeah, I'm not trying to be a pleaser, but I'm I I would rather be friends of every single one of them. Mm. Mm. And um and rugby union, uh, the All Blacks in particular, that springs to mind for this one. They have like um a senior um, leadership group, yep, which are. Uh, yeah, makes a lot of the decisions and is sort of involved yep. in the process. Do you have the same sort of thing there? No, no. We uh, we don't have a senior players group. We believe in everyone should lead and can lead and should feel comfortable. There's guys who are more experienced players and so therefore they've been around for longer and they've got stronger opinions and understand things a bit better. So they gradually will um, promote their opinions and their ideas and they'll drive accountability naturally. So we don't sit in a room and go, okay, what do you guys think as like a leadership group? What do you think how this week worked or how do you think that happened? And then we, we, yeah, we just don't do that. Mm. If I feel like I need someone's idea from a leader, like Tolu Harris is a great captain, always have conversations. I'll call them in, I'll ask them their opinion. I'll, I'll get five or six guys with their opinion or I might even throw it to the whole team. So don't sit there in a leadership group every week and, and discuss things. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. So it sort of removes that us versus them yeah. potential mentality. Well, sometimes leaders lead from a from a way where they think that's only what they think's best and they probably don't ask the group enough. And some great leaders do. And I've worked with some great leadership groups and, and got to sit there and be a part of it and watch how well they lead. Uh, I'm not saying it's not the best thing for every group, but we just found last year it wasn't the best thing for us. We needed to all all take some responsibility um, take some ownership of uh, our performance together and um, if you're a young 20 year old and you want to lead respectfully then you can lead so if you're a, a 30 year old player that's had 200 games experience well, I, I, I certainly hope you are going to lead because mm. you've got so many experiences in your rugby league life yeah um, this might be a dumb question probably one of many dumb questions as I said I know less about rugby league than, than your wife does Um <laughs> Could you, could you could you coach rugby union? You know, there's players that make the switch with varying degrees of success. Oh, you've got Roger Tuivasa Sheik back. Yeah, uh, he he's done very well at rugby. Yeah. Could you know? Feels like a lot of what you're doing is is like managing people, which is surely transferable between codes. Could you coach rugby union? No, or no? certainly no. not. No. Well, lots of lots of league coaches transfer to rugby union and become say a defensive coach or whatever. Um, but. I, I think it's such a specialist game and I would never undermine or, what's the word, disrespect uh, Rugby Union and, and all those great coaches to just suggest that I could go and do it. Mm. Um, would I Could I help and be a part of a small part of it and and kind of look and, and give advice, but certainly not on the X's and the O's and the details because I just don't understand it. But, you know, we have great Rugby Union coaches that come to our training and we go to their training because there there are parts of the game that are similar. We can learn off it, but mm. I'm certainly not arrogant enough or cocky enough to think that I could jump in their shoes and, and do what they do. Well, Ted Lasso went from <laughs> <laughs> went from American football to soccer. Yeah. By the way, are you a fan of that show? Have you watched Love that show? Love that show. Love how that good? Show. Our whole team watches that show. Yeah. It's, so it's how how much of that is sort of uh, you know. I, I, oh, this sounds like a dumb thing to say, but how much of it is sort of, sort of realistic? Uh, I think. I think um, the the relationships are realistic. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Some of the stuff certainly not. You wouldn't get away with um, just how relaxed Ted is about some issues. But so he doesn't sweat the uh, the small, small stuff, stuff yeah. does he? You know, and um, he he really has this big focus on making sure the players believe in themselves, which I've got a I've got a huge belief in that too. So um, 
yeah, there's parts that are pretty mm. cool and they certainly have fun mm. and that's what we want to do. We have fun. So there's so much to tell us. I can't believe I bought that. I'm sorry. No, uh, the boys so, bring it up. Okay, so, so, hypothetical question. Say you had like a Jamie Tart in your team, like a precocious player, <laughs> star player, like gifted talent or whatever, but was an absolute fucking pain in the ass to be around, disruptive to the team. What would you do? You, 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 oh, you, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't throw him away straight away, that's for sure. I wouldn't. I'm not like, let's just get rid of that guy. I'd work with them. Um, probably try and break down why why they're acting like that and why they think they're better than someone else or, or why they're not willing to do certain things. I mean, Jamie Tart in that show was super talented, but he felt like he didn't need to connect with the group at all. Mm. And not every player likes each other, but you should you should respect each other enough that you're willing to just show each other respect mm. and connect. So um, I'd probably just work with him, break, break those walls down, communicate with him. And just say, look, the team's going this direction, you're going the opposite, so I'm going to work, you're going to have to work on this, or it's see you later. But because uh, everyone's not rolling in the same direction, you're in trouble, you can't win. Mm. And, and it shows it in that show. That just sounds like so much work, getting everyone rolling in the same direction. Like There's so <laughs> many different – you talk about like breaking down the personality type and working out what's, what's going wrong with them or whatever it happens to be. But, you know – do that with one or two people, that's fine. But when you're talking a whole squad, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but, yeah, it's good. We've got 35 players. I mean, I'm not the only one that helps with relationships. Like I said, our assistant coaches do. But, yeah, I'd, I'd like to like to think I'm across it as much as I can be. And mm. It's hard because, uh, you know, you, you're not a mind reader and I'm not, I'm not a trained psychologist, so I'm not trying to be. I just try and be a friend and listen and, and make sure mm. they're all good. Where does this um, like emotional intelligence that you've got come from? I think it's probably the way I've been brought up. Really? Know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we could sit around the dinner table and we could probably talk about most things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've just been lucky. I, I think because being the youngest in my family, I've always been around older people and um, I'm extremely immature and extremely <laughs> mature um, probably my whole life. So when I'm a kid, I could be... The silliest man in the room, and or the silliest kid in the room, and I could also have a conversation with an adult. And I, I think just being the youngest, I can remember my mum would drag me to restaurants and cafes with her uh, with her friends when I was um, still not ready for school. So I'm sure I've just been around older people mm. and and just learn it naturally. I think no one sat me down and and given me a lesson in it. That's for sure. Yeah, because how old are you? Forty one. Forty one. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm fifty, and for like for guys us age, you know, forties or fifties, it's like it's it, it wasn't the way we were raised, was it? To like to show vulnerability and to yeah, you know, sort of show emotion and yeah, tell people you love them. Back to that thing again. Yeah, well, yeah, my family certainly told each other they loved them. Yeah, I can remember I wasn't allowed to get out of the car if my mate was in the car next to me, not say <laughs> I loved you, mum, and get shot. So, um, but you're right. Like, just the, the more manly you got. Um, Probably in your teenage lives, you weren't meant to be like that. But, mm. but yeah, it's a lot of love in our family and a lot of yeah. love in our house. So, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I was getting back to it. I think I felt we felt comfortable we could be like that in our house. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's something you, you touched upon earlier. It's you're, you're comfortable in your own skin and with who you are. Yeah. And I think the more the more comfortable you are in your own skin, the more the less you give a fuck about that stuff and yeah, about correct. the image you're portraying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, h- how do you how do you coach someone with um, flair and brilliance like like a, a Nathan Cleary or a Sean Johnson? Don't get in their way. <laughs> let, just let make them, sure they're happy. Let them let them be them. Yeah, yeah. Let them 
um, what do you say? Let a let an artist, what's the word? Um, feel like they can be as flary and as enjoy. Mm. Let them express themselves. That's the best mm. way to say. So, someone who's that brilliant, if they can't express themselves, then I don't think you're going to get good results. Now, as long as it's in with the team dynamic, uh, go for it. I mean, mm. I think Nathan, if you'd say, was works so hard. To about Nathan Cleary's. He's his flair has come from hard work, as he's probably not naturally flary. As someone like Sean, who uh, has been extremely flary his whole career, has actually still got that a part of him, but he's got even more control about him. So it's funny how the flair can leave you and come back, and and you can you can work out what when you should use it and when you shouldn't. Hmm. And I think those two boys have got it down pat at the moment. Yeah, because uh, like a lot of a lot of coaches would come along and see how old's Sean now? What is he? Thirty. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. So it's, yeah, so you came along last year. He was thirty-two. A lot of coaches would come along, want to stamp their mark, think you know, his best days are behind him potentially because he hadn't been that awesome the years leading up to that. Yeah. Um, but but you, I mean, it looks like Sean Johnson from ten years ago. It's like he he looks so happy out there. Yeah. And he's done such a phenomenal job. Yeah, I think being back in New Zealand, being with his families, made him so happy. Um, I think he had a real ambition that he was like, I'm not going to finish this way. Um, so he went after it. Um, did I have faith in Sean? Yes, I did. I told him, I said, look, if this is the end. Um, don't let it be this way. I, I think you got more in you. And I told him that. Um, I want you to stay and play. Um, but you're going to have to earn everything. It's not going to be given or guaranteed. And I've never seen a more motivated guy go after it. And mm the way he trained in pre-season, and then he grew in confidence, and then what he did for the team was amazing. Mm. So um, let's wind back the clock and go to um, getting the job. So did did you apply for it, or were you like shoulder-tapped? No, I got a phone call about it. I didn't apply. Yeah, I got a phone call saying, look, where um, Nathan Brown's just resigned, um, and if you want the job, let us know. Mm. Uh, And if you do, we're going to come back and have a chat to you. So... Said yes, I want the job, and then the CEO came and George said, "Right, well, next time I talk to you, it's going to be yours to lose." So I knew I was a pretty good shot then. But um, you, um, you, you were uh, assistant coach at the time at the Penrith Panthers under yeah. Ivan Cleary. Um, you must have had people saying, "What the fuck are you doing, Webby?" Yes, <laughs> like, the, like what's happening in um, Penrith at the moment? It's like they're creating a dynasty, right? Yeah, it's like a, a phenomenal setup, and uh, you you could have been cushy there for. However many years, and then eventually Ivan will leave and it'll roll over to you. Oh, look, I, I don't think it ever would have rolled on to me. I mean, that there's a lot of good coaches at the Panthers, so I'd never suggest that. But um, the thing for me was I didn't want to be a coach at any NRL club. I, there was a few that I wanted to be a coach at, and the Warriors is one of those. Um, Why? Well, I've worked here. Yeah. I feel connected to the club. I felt like I, I knew the culture of New Zealand, and I love the people, and got to like love living where you you know going to work and I, mm. like I mentioned before I love love this place so um, yeah it was a no brainer for me and um, did I have thoughts about geez we're doing it we're on a good thing here at Panthers I could be a part of this for a long time of course I did but cause I, I literally never been happier in my life like we mm. had great friends um, football was going great really connected to the community but um, I also was like you know what I want to be a head coach I love New Zealand. I love the Warriors. I feel like I can have an impact. Um, I felt that Cameron George and Mark Robinson really sold the ambition of what was going to happen in this place, and I wanted to be a part of it. So, mm. 
in the end, it was a no-brainer. But yeah, there was I had to still do my checklist. Yeah. So, so you come up with um with s- some sort of like a a game plan or a strategy. I'm guessing. What were the sort of um, KPIs? Like, like I'm from an outsider's perspective. Again, I'm a I'm a bandwagon jumper, and I'll I'll jump on a bandwagon that's travelling very very fast. I'll yeah. wait. <laughs> um, but like it's it, it seemed like there was going to be like potentially years of rebuilding. You know, if you, especially if you think back to like use the parallels between like the Penrith Panthers, like there was yeah. a couple of shit years before they started making playoffs, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it, um, people telling me I was mad. I, was, I didn't want to come out in the media and say this is a rebuild. I didn't want to try and. I felt like people do that to buy themselves time. They mm. want a lower expectation of the board members. They want a lower expectations of the fans. But whilst they're lowering these expectations, they're constantly telling the players through the public eye, that they're not good enough. So they're saying, this is a rebuild, we don't have the team to do it yet, give us three years. So if you're one of those players, how do, how do you feel when you hear your coach say that about you all the time? So I'm, I'm chips all in, like, I don't care what people think, so I don't care if they hold it against me, and they say, you said Webby this, I was like, we're going to get that confident as a group, um, that we feel like we can actually do something. So there was no rebuilding for me. I didn't have a KPI around top eight or anything like that. Our goal was to win the comp like every other club in the NRL. There's not one club in the NRL that doesn't want to win the comp. Mm. So our KPI was the exact same. We weren't going to lower it by, say, top eight. We weren't going to say, let's make sure it's top four or let's just not come last. There was nothing stupid like that. And we were just going after <laughs> Let's not come last. Yeah, let's not come last. <laughs> Let's not come up. Let's not get the wooden spoon again. Yeah, so there was none of that. Our, our whole thing was let's win as many games as we can. <laughs> let's not come last. Let's crack up. Um, but, I mean, like previous years, it's uh, the Warriors have been one of those teams where midway through the season, you always look at mathematical chances, like, oh, if the, if the Titans win this weekend and such and such, then we've got a chance of making the top eight. But there, there was none of that was even needed this year. Like it just yeah. it was like a hot knife going through butter. Well, mate, we, we want to be consistent. Like, um, we want to be consistent in our performance, the own results. Like, I'd I, I say this all the time, but I think we lost three in a row. I think we lost three good teams. Um, we came home here, and we came home to a sellout crowd against Redcliffe Dolphins. And I, I just I couldn't believe off the back of three losses in a row that the crowd was still supporting us. So I know there's a loyal core fan wherever you yeah. go. Um, but I felt like the Warriors, were, the fans were something different. Like, like they were proud of the way we were playing. So whilst we didn't win during that period, we we really were that the fans were proud, and so was I. I was like, boys, look, you're playing really good football here. Um, and then as a result, we went out and had a crack of night that, and we went on a run and won lots of games of football. So our big thing was, even when we lost, we were we consistent, and, and when we won, we were we consistent because there was games we won and we weren't happy about the way mm. we played. Yeah. Uh, even though the scoreboard looked good, um, in our four walls at work, we were like, no, nah, that's, not, that's not how we want to be. That's not our standard. So mm. um, without boring everyone, like, as long as we're proud of our performance, like, our, our whole thing is about winning. So winning is our business. We understand that. But you've got to make sure you're proud of the way you play. Yeah, when you lose those three games in a row, is there, uh, I mean, do you feel the heat? Well, I've only had one crack at it, and yeah. there's that, that three times I didn't. No, I didn't yeah. feel it. I felt like we were playing good football. I thought the group was happy. but like we could see light at the tunnel. Um, yeah, I mean, 
you know, three, three in a row is not fun. Like, I, I, didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it, but um, I certainly didn't feel any pressure at that stage, no. Yeah, and then, um, so then yeah, the home game against the Dolphins, is that the Wayne Bennett team? Yep. Yeah. Are you intimidated by him? What are you? <laughs> what, what's your relationship like with Wayne Bennett? Do you look up to him? No, I look up to him. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. He's yeah, incredible, coach, right? Yeah, great coach. Lucky enough to spend a bit of time um, watching him coach um, when he was at the Newcastle Knights, so... Um, yeah, what, yeah. What, what can you take from him? Like, it's been an outstanding career. What's made him so good? Well, I think Wayne's so dry in the media and stuff like that, but I think he's the best at putting his arm around a player. That I like. He's very, very good at that. He's very good at making, I think, the players feel like it's their idea. So I've seen him take drills and then he say to a player, go on, you take this, and then he manipulates the drill. But then everyone thinks the players come up with it. Like, he's just he's very smart and classy mm. like that. Um, yeah, and I, I generally, obviously, looks like he cares about his players. So he's about out. In the time I spent with him, I couldn't believe how many times he asked them how their family were or their mum and dad or something like that. So uh, yeah, he's amazing. But I don't get intimidated by those guys because I'm not tackling them. You know what I mean? Like we're coaches, so he sits <laughs> on the other side of the field. I sit on this side of the field, and yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no intimidation factor there. Man. Yeah. Also, you've got the uh, the Dally M Award for Coach of the Year, which you, you carry around with you everywhere. I'm guessing. Uh, no. do, do, what, what do you get for that? Is it a, a medal, a trophy? What is that? Uh, just a big trophy of obviously it's the Dally M Night is after Dally M Messenger, which is a famous player a long time ago. So um, everyone gets a like a, a, a trophy of him, and it's big and heavy. And yeah, I, I gave it to my mum and dad to put on there. Uh, their mental piece at home, just to say thank you for everything they've done. Yeah. So you've got no sort of um, trophies or memorabilia or anything at your own place? Uh, yeah, got a Warriors my Warriors jersey from from round one. I've got that on the wall. I was lucky mm. enough the club gifted that to me, which I was really grateful for because I never thought that would come or expect that to come. Um, and but, how do you mean you never, as in you being a head coach of an NRL team? Well, they're, they're things that happen for players. They get jerseys. I've never seen a head coach. Oh, okay. A debutante jersey, so that was that was really nice. I loved that. That actually meant a lot to me. Um, yeah, got that on, on a wall upstairs. But no, I've got if you walked into our house, you wouldn't see much football stuff at all. Hmm. Um, hence why my, my wife likes that because she's not she's not into football. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I just I just yeah I, I like. It's not to say that I won't have a man shed one day with things in it, but yeah, right now I don't throw them out or throw them away. It's just um, I don't have them on display anywhere. Yeah, yeah you, you, I suppose you're at that point of your career where you're just too busy focusing on what's next that yeah. it's not time to pause and reflect. Although, did you do that at the end of the last season? Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. I'm, I, yeah, I definitely did. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys who has to move on straight away. Um, I like to just pause and celebrate uh, or pause and reflect because um, I, I want this to be fun. I want to enjoy it. I, don't want it to be so stressful that I, I don't even get to enjoy all the good times. Mm. And people say, oh, that's not a successful mindset. Well, they can go and get stuff. That's that's not how I am. I, I like to enjoy it. And Okay, well done. Now get over yourself. Let's go win the next one. But I have that moment. Yeah. It's like, what would Ted do? <laughs> Ted, you enjoy it. <laughs> He's having fun. Okay, so what does an average day look like? You, you, you guys start pretty early, eh? I, yeah. 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 Um, Everyone's got to be there by seven forty-five. Um, we've got our first meeting at seven forty-five. Yeah, um, but they're they're in way before that. I think the players would be there from sort of six forty-five onwards, stretching, getting ready for the day, getting physio treatment, whatever they've got to do. 
us coaches, we arrived probably between 5.30 and 6, I'd say. Yeah. So, You're shitting me? Yeah, no, early start of the day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That seems unnecessarily early. No, it's not. Well, it's like this. You've got to prepare for the day ahead. And what do you mean exactly? Well, we have a coaches meeting at 7 o'clock, so... There's a huge amount of cutting of clips. So you've got to probably work back from the day before, if that makes sense. So let's say Monday's happened, there's a field session. So we've gone out and trained and come off. Uh, and we've got a drone that films our whole training. And then we cut what the boys did really well and what they didn't. The boys cut their own vision downstairs. Then we come upstairs and we have, have one-on-one video with the players. And then the next day, we've got to take some of those clips and put them into unit groups. So backs and forwards, attack, defence last plays, which is special teams, like Stacey Jones is in charge of. So there's lots of stuff we do, and you've got all that information that you've just you've just um, put together from the day before. So what are you going to do with it now? So we make sure we get in, we get organised, we know how we're going to do it. The players are in different teams for training. So, yeah, there's lots that go into it. So I think you're looking from sort of arriving that time to leaving between sort of 4.30 and 6 o'clock. That's probably an average day, yeah. I think that'll surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I think, but which which is fair enough. I think people think you turn up, um, you go out, you throw some cones on the field, you train, and you leave, and that's you go to the gym a couple of times. They a go week. to the gym, yeah. and you know that, that's not how it works. No, like a player, a player's got a full full schedule. They go home exhausted. Like today, um, and no one's trust me. They're all grateful for their jobs. They're not feeling sorry for themselves. Mm. Like they've got a good, but uh, they work hard, mate. Yeah, they work bloody mm. hard and. Our coaches work really hard too, and so do our like conditioners, and so do our physios. And there's so many people in the organisation that work really hard, mm. long hours. How much of um, what you've implemented since you've been here is, is like Penrith Panthers IP? I reckon there's definitely parts of it. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't well, there, there has to be. It's part of you. I couldn't give you a percentage of it, but um, I mean, I refuse to copy and paste the whole Penrith program because. It doesn't necessarily suit our mm. players, but there's things that I've learned for Penrith that I'd be an absolute idiot not to not to use at it's, the Warriors. It's so, a winning team. Why not yeah, duplicate winning, it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. So so many things there that we use. But I made a mistake a long time ago. I I worked at one team, had a lot of success, took that same philosophy and those same ideas to another team, and it was terrible. So mm. you've got to make sure it works for your team. There's things that the Panthers, there's things that the Broncos, there's things that all these really good teams do that will work at every single NRL team mm. if you implement them right and you know why you're doing them and you can coach it properly. So you'd be mad not to do those things. But there's also things that just wouldn't suit our boys, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and you've, you've, you've done the work, eh? Like, you've, you've really done the work. Like, if, if you look into your, your, you know, your backstory, you were player coach in the States for a while. Yeah. Uh, was that your first coaching job? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so I, yeah, you don't. I don't know if there's much of a rugby league culture no. in. <laughs> so no. where were you? I was in Connecticut Wildcats. Right, right. Place just outside of Manhattan, and I think there was ten teams at the time. And I was 23. I had long hair. And I got the job. Did you? Yeah, like a surfy. Yeah, like a surfy, but I couldn't surf. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to travel with football. I'm going to have some fun. But I realised that I'm not going to make it. Um, I'm going to go and have fun. I got got a job as a captain coach. He gave me a job. Uh, a house and a car so that was pretty cool and then I went and did that for six months and then I was like I want to give this a crack so then I moved to England and got an opportunity over there mm. yeah so, so you've done the uh, you've done the apprenticeship yep um, 
and I'm guessing they weren't they weren't big paying jobs or anything. So, no. at, at, how long did you give yourself? Uh, I didn't give a number. I, yeah. Like I have at different stages. I'm going, to, I'm going to go after this and do that, and I quickly learned that's not the way to do it. So, um, coaching's a very patient game, and I hadn't played at an elite level. I didn't have a reputation as this great player that was going to automatically transition as a player. Went and. Those guys kind of deserve that because mm. they've played for Origin, they've played for Australia, they've played for New Zealand. They deserve that, that faster transition. Um, so I knew I was going to have to work hard at it. But my whole thing was I just wanted to get paid for something that I love doing. And I was like, what am I going to do now once I knew I was going to make I was like, I have to coach because I still rub, love rugby league. I actually think I really know it. I think I could be good at this. So instead of just chasing and doing something I didn't like, doesn't matter I didn't have to do Lots of other little jobs I hated to get there. But, um, yeah, I was, I was going to go after it and it didn't matter how long it took. Mm. Mm. That's amazing. Um, I've heard uh, in interviews um, the players talk about a thing called extreme ownership. Yep. Extreme, what's that exactly? What does that mean? Is it's that a Navy a, SEAL thing? Yeah, it's not a big piece of our... It's not a big piece of our puzzle. Like it's not a. I think I've read it in a few places though. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. So it's it's something we did, and we did an exercise one day where I just didn't feel like we were owning what um, we weren't owning our good stuff, we weren't owning the bad stuff. So uh, if people made a mistake, I didn't think there was any there was really any ownership around their mistake or what was happening. I didn't think there was any ownership around their performance. So they were getting everything handed on a platter. And they weren't actually going and digging and watching their own own training sessions or their own games. Um, they were basically expecting everyone else to do it for them. So, yeah, I'm just I, there was a video that I watched online. It was around extreme ownership. I thought that's unbelievably relevant to where we are right now. And I felt there was a lot of blame on others rather than themselves. Mm. I thought there was a lot of denial, like that didn't happen. And I just wanted to just wanted to sort a few boys out and. So some of you guys are this right now in the room and some of you guys are, uh, aren't. So, yeah, we just did a little exercise and we watched the video and, yeah, we just just said who who can start living this a little bit more than mm. than being the other way. So. Yeah, so you, you say that's not a big part of the, the puzzle. What, what are some of the big pieces of the Warriors puzzle? What are, like, what are some of the sort of um, like pillars or cornerstones? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the biggest thing is we've got to have fun we go home tired every day, but we have fun, and fun's not um, fun's not always laughter. So, laughing is a huge part of being fun. But like, if you want to laugh, you can laugh. That's fine. But the best biggest thing is if you enjoy something and you've had a great day, and it's been like I said, the word fun, then you probably feel a part of it. Feel like you've had you've had a say in what's happened. Feel like you've got better, so you've grown a little bit. Feel like you belong at the place. So actually everyone likes you being there and you feel safe to be yourself. And if you're all those things, then that equals fun. And then if you laugh a little bit more and then we can make it an enjoyable environment, then people are going to, like I said, come back to work. So, mm. But they'll go home tired because we're going to work bloody hard. Mm. So. If, if there was someone that was um, like a, a good laugh and really popular and fitted into the team really well and wasn't necessarily the best player in that position, would you still keep them around? Uh, yeah, for the balance I would. So yeah. there's a salary cap, there's a price, there's money. Uh, if that player fits into that that bracket and um, we've got enough, enough depth and I feel like he's going to... I feel like you need guys like that. They might not be the best players in the world, but they add so much to your culture. Uh, you know, laughter, fun, 
um, and they're really good humans, and mm. yeah, you want them around. Who, who is it in the uh, the current Warrior Squad? Like, who are the who are the pranksters or the jokers? Or oh, the prankster is Dylan. Well, he's not a prankster. He's just he's just funny. He's Dylan Walker. He says that it, how it is. Bailey Syrian was certainly that last year. He's certainly a popular guy and a, and a, and a terrific human. Uh, unfortunately, he's left because of salary cap issues. We would have loved to kept him. But yeah, there's a few. There's a few like that. I mean. Dylan's got this amazing um, skill where he can be really immature and have fun and and then the moment football comes, be real serious and switch on because he's super competitive and he wants to win. So, yeah, there's a few like that. Yeah. Mm. And Tohu Harris, your, your captain, how's his body? He seemed to have, like, uh, every game I watched last year, he had extra bandages on each game. Yeah, no. He, Is he hanging on by a thread? No, he's fine. Yeah, Tohu's going great. His body's good. He, he just... He played for a long time, you know, He's and he plays tough. He plays 80 minutes most times, and um, I feel like he just understands his body and he's got little bits of strapping that help him, and it's probably probably looks like there's a lot more. And <laughs> I'm sure he'd rather get rid of a bit of it, but, um, yeah, he just knows what works for him, what he needs to needs to tape up. So, one, I think it's some of it's precaution, mm. and some of it he, he needs it. So, um, mm. But, yeah, everyone asks me that all the time. He's fine. Yeah, and what what um, what are your thoughts on the the bunker ref situation? Because again, as I said before, I'm a bandwagon jumper. But the games I watched last year, it just seems alarming. There, there does seem to be a definite sort of bias against the Warriors. It's like every single decision sort of gets questioned. Yeah, look, I, I don't see any bias, not at all. Like I don't see anyone questioning the Warriors, or uh, I don't think any referee. You don't? No, not at all. No. Just I'm not that guy. I don't. I don't think there's any excuses if we lose that the referee, the bunker's got it wrong. I just, I just don't believe in that. So, do they make mistakes and frustrate the hell out of me? Yes, of course they do. Um, have they got some real big ones wrong? Yes, but so have we. Um, we've made some big mistakes this year too. So, um, I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm not going to use it as an excuse. And I certainly don't think there's any bias against the Warriors. If anything, I think the whole. Um, the whole of the rugby league have fallen in love with the Warriors. So I think they want us to do well, but it doesn't mean they're not going to get things right. Mm-hmm. You, you get, do you get fined if you, if you speak to the media yeah. afterwards and you bitch about you know, what sort of fine? What is it? I don't know. I think it's five, ten k. Oh yeah. Oh, does the club pay for that or no? You pay for it. Oh yeah. yeah well, I wouldn't be saying anything about the bunker no. ref either. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, There's I safe could, space here. I, I I just wouldn't. I just yeah yeah. I'll get done eventually, but I'm trying my hardest. Yeah. Okay, but when when um, do you know Jason Paris? Yeah, like personally, when he he put a tweet out last year, do you, are you familiar with this? You must be familiar with this. Yeah, of course. I'm yeah, familiar. yeah. Um, I was doing a public speaking thing uh, the next day, and there were all these marketing executives there. That, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, it's fine what he said, but the optics, the optics aren't good." That was sort of marketing speak. But well, um, well, as coach all, of the yeah, first of all, like, he, he just showed how passionate he was about the Warriors and. Yeah, it wasn't as, as one him. NZ CEO. He, lo- he loves, loves us, you know, so he's frustrated and, um, yeah, just probably the heat of the moment. I can't speak for Jason, but, yeah, like he's... But as, he's, a, as a coach, were you secretly pleased when he did it? Like, no, yeah. like I, I stayed out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Jay, Jason, you know, he, he's had his opinion and, yeah, I just can't be like that. So, yeah, I, I, I just, I love all our fans and our sponsors, how passionate about mm. us are and, yeah, um, in the heat of the battle, things get said and done. But yeah, as the coach, I, I just got—I can't be like that. 
Yeah. Yes. Speaking of the fans, and I suppose in particular from a like a cultural phenomenon of what what's happened the past year. I mean, this afternoon I went to Rebel Sports. I, I thought oh, I'll buy a couple of caps and get yeah. you to sign them. No merch available. There was like one one supporter singlet left, which was like a four XL, yeah. and that was it. Like, I mean, the 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 support from last season that's going to carry yeah. on to this season, it's just its just massive. Yeah. Where, when did you first hear um, Up the Wars? Where does that come from? Do you know anything about that? Yeah. I can, I can remember someone was asking me, is it, should it be Up the Wars or should it be um, Gone, Gone, you know, Gone. Oh, let's go on Warriors. Yeah, yeah, you're aware of that one? That was yeah, of course I <laughs> were. Yeah, so I was like, and I said, well, I'm hearing Up the Wars is taking over. I think Up the Wars, you walk down the street, someone just turns around and goes, Up the Wars, like, it's a way of like connecting quickly and go how good, and then I think um, I think the other one is more of a chant, you know. So yeah, I, when I first heard it like that, and then I just couldn't believe how quickly. And then there was a song, and then everyone was like just everywhere you went was up the wires. So I was even at a wedding in Australia, and there was no worries fans there, and they were they were um, cheersing each other after each speech, saying up the wires. So. Yeah. What for, for your benefit? No, or? no, no, no. Just up the wires. Just it's just become a thing where if it's good, then it's up the wires. <laughs> no. So you've got you don't know where it started or the origin. I saw some thread online. Someone was saying uh, it was um, created by some New Zealanders that live in Australia a few a few years ago, and it mean, it's an acronym. It means we are home soon for the Warriors. But I don't know. That oh, really? seems apparently. But there you go. I don't know. I, I, I suspect there's probably a few stories <laughs> like that. Yeah. But it's it's great though, and you you and the 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 team must have felt it, and must have felt the love and the support of the nation, but also the weight of the nation. Yeah, the the love was unbelievable. Like the support, like I said, we sold. I think we sold out the stadium ten times this year, which is unbelievable. I think it's our best crowds for the whole season since since ninety five, which is the first year. So um, everywhere we went, because we played a few games, we played um, in April, like I said, we played in Wellington. And I played a trial in Christchurch, and just the support was unbelievable. So um, it, it it's humbling, like a, eh? It's humbling. It's, yeah, it's it's humbling. It felt like a real responsibility. People stop me on the street and say, "Thank you for you done for our country." I mean, I'm an Australian. I'm like that blows me away. So yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, we just want to make sure we can stay consistent mm. and keep them happy. Yeah, and and it was overlapping uh, with the Rugby World Cup as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> which makes it even more remarkable. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I, but ha, I, how do you how do you cope with the pressure? Like how like because the expectation is you know you go a step further or even two steps further yep. in the next season. But it's like success isn't always linear like that, is it? No, I, I mean I think the only pressure I I have is the pressure I put on myself. I mean, at the end of the day, I, if I know we can prepare well and we've worked hard and we're giving them every chance, the players and the players are buying in, then we're going to give ourselves a chance to win and. Um, it is a nerve-wracking 80 minutes, but that's probably the only time I feel the pressure is during the game. I, I don't. Everyone thinks I'm really calm, but I'm not as calm as people think. <laughs> but um, the lead-up to games, I don't get nervous. Um, I haven't felt the pressure. But let's be honest, we're, the worst we did was lose three in a row this year. So I'm sure there's going to be times in my career where there's that five or six, and you're really going to really going to find out what I'm what I'm like under pressure. But mm. right now, I feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah, what are you like? No one gets to forty-one years old without sort of facing um, some sort of adversity. What, what, what is it? What is it for you? Like, where does your resilience come from? Uh, What's some of the? I think my adversity has been the fact that it hasn't been easy for me. Like, I wasn't, I didn't play NRL. 
I just wasn't one of the best players. I had to work hard. I, I had to clean rugby league football stands. I had to, you know, be security jobs. I had to do everything to get here. So um, I've had to volunteer. So I think my resilience comes from the fact that, um, you know, it hasn't been, my path hasn't been easy and I've had to work hard to get here. And I, I don't want to lose it. I'm here now and I want to be a part of winning cultures for the rest of my coaching career. So, mm. yeah, but I think that's where it comes from. Yeah, and and so you were here on a three year deal, and it's been extended. Well, you were here on a two year deal, and it's been extended for five three years. Three year deal. I, so obviously done one of them now, and now I've got a, a three year extension on top of the two remaining. So five years in total from now. Yeah. yeah. What's what's the um? Oh, um, this is a dumb question. The ultimate goal in that time is to like win a premiership. Yeah, it's like sustained success. So I'm going to win as many grand finals as we can. I mean, people might laugh and say you won't get one of those. But I don't care like what they think. I just I want us to go after it and have a real crack at it. Um, but you know, have sustained success. You know, win win as many games as we can and make our fans constantly proud of us, so that we're not constantly down the bottom. We're constantly up the top and give ourselves a chance to win. Oh, that's so good. Would you Would you ultimately like to spend your entire career here? Yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah, I love New Zealand. I love the Warriors. I mean. The only way I'm going to leave is if, one, the club thinks my time's up or I think I can't give any more to the club, meaning I feel like they need someone new. So Some fresh ideas. Some or fresh whatever. ideas. But I, I, I've, I think there's two or three coaches in the game that have really stayed at a club for a long period of time, like Wayne Bennett did at the Broncos for a long time, Craig Bellamy, and Trent Robinson's doing it at the Roosters. Ivan's starting to do it at the Panthers, so... Uh, it's definitely possible to do because it's not easy. Not many do it. Um, but if I was good enough um, to, to do that, that'd be that'd be great. And while I'm enjoying it here, I don't want to go anywhere. So, mm. yeah. Oh, and we, we love you here. <laughs> I speak on behalf of the whole nation. Yeah, it's phenomenal what's happened in the past year. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah, it's great to have you in New Zealand as a New Zealander. Yeah, cool. No, thank yeah. you. It's great to be here. Um, one thing I'd, I'd like to ask all my guests is about their, um, their mental health. How's your mental health? Because I, I, I feel like by asking this question, it just sort of normalises the, the conversation. Your mental health been good over the years? or Mate, I, I've been really lucky. I'm, yep. I'm, lots of uh, friends and family have obviously struggled with it. I mean, it's pretty common now, isn't it? I think especially yeah, it's people are more willing to talk about it. Um, yeah, my mental health's really good. I, um I don't know, I've got a good balance of my life. I'm not suggesting it's going to be like that all the time. I'm, I'm not arrogant enough to think that everything's going to be rosy. I've spoken to real strong people that have gone through, had nervous breakdowns, had tough times, uh, and they would have laughed if you ever told them that that was going to happen to them. Mm. So I don't think we're all bulletproof. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm lucky right now. I'm good. And um, the biggest thing is I think it's the bravest, bravest thing you can do if you're struggling with mental health or things aren't going to actually say something. As um, I think it used to be, you were weak if you said something. So it's gone from weak to being brave, which mm. I think is awesome. Yeah. Well, I had um, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the old All Black coach John Hart. Yep. Uh, no, John Well. Yeah. Oh, do you like on a personal? Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah, he was connected with the club. Yeah. So he was on the podcast, and he he talked about um, he was actually I, I was really surprised he talked this way. So he got back from the. 1999 Rugby World Cup, where yep. the All Blacks got, <clears throat> excuse me, beaten by France and knocked out early. 
he came back and uh, yeah, there were uh, he went to a horse race meet and s- someone spat on him in a bathroom and mm. people were throwing beer cans at his horse home DG. Um, and he he said he didn't recognise it at the time, but he was in a like deep depression for two years where couldn't leave the house some days. Yeah. Um, and he was like a grown ass man. He was in his fifties at the time, and you know that's yeah, that's and a very successful man. Very too, successful. Yeah. Just yeah. knocked him, knocked him yeah, to his no, core. There you go. Can happen to anyone. So. Yeah, do you, you guys have um, like a team psycho- sports psychologist? Or? Yeah, we've got um, four welfare managers. So we've got we've got um, that. I wouldn't say the word "covered" is wrong because you never got a covered. You always got to be ready for mm. a day and be across it. But um, we've got four guys that are in that in that line of work that that's their role to make sure that everyone's mental space is, is as good as it possibly can be. And if they if they've got some stuff going on in their lives, they can help them with it. Um, and it's also my responsibility to help with that too so um, mm. but yeah and we've got a we've got a really good team of people who care about these boys so yeah it's awesome yeah brilliant alright hey well Webby can I call you Webby? you can I feel like we're mates now go Webby we're mates <laughs> oh should we do a shoey together? <laughs> no, not, not yet we're going to win the grand have, final have you, have you ever done a shoey? I'm, I'm sure I've done plenty what do, you, what do you mean you're sure you've done plenty well, it's a yes or no I'm, yes I'm, I gather I have but what do you I, mean you gather you have? when I was younger mate I would have um I would have given it a crack. Oh, how long have Shoei's been a thing? Shoei's been a thing for a long time that I know of. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. I feel like the origins are rooted in Australia and it's just sort of become international. <laughs> oh, um, so if you win if you win a, a grand final, you do a Shoei? For sure. Yeah. I'll do one for sure. <laughs> out of Sean Johnson's boot. If you like. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, mate, it's been a pleasure to sit down with you today. Thank you so much. Um, I've got a lot out of this, and I hope the um, the people that listen or watch this um, take some learnings from this as well. You're an inspirational, oh, inspirational no, guy. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Evan. It's a pleasure to be here, and um, I hope everyone listens to your podcast, mate. It's a beauty. Let's go on. Let's go on. <laughs> go the wires. Up the wires. Up the wires. Cool. Epic, mate. Webster on the Dom Harvey podcast. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. I love having these conversations with people that I'm genuinely interested in learning more about, but ultimately it's all about you and what you want to listen to. So if you ever have any feedback, um, constructive criticism, guest suggestions, sponsorship inquiries, etc., please do get in touch with me. I'm on Instagram, Dom Harvey NZ, or email me, Dom Harvey NZ at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, quick favor, if you don't do so already, could you please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and even give it a rating or review? All that stuff helps grow the podcast. Oh, by the way, um, all podcasts are available to watch on YouTube. So if you have a YouTube account, um, maybe flick me a subscribe as well. Thank you very much. Just before we go, thanks to the sponsors of this episode, Generate and Radix. If you want 2024 to be the year you bring your health and fitness goals to life, Radix can help. All their products are absolutely world-class and they are made right here in New Zealand. Check them out and bookmark their page or follow them on social media, radixnutrition.co.nz and Radix is spelled R-A-D-I-X. Give them a go. Also thanks to Generate and their KiwiSaver scheme. Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of chart-topping long-term performance. If you want to make sure you're making the most of your KiwiSaver account, talk to an advisor now. Head to 
generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash get advice. A copy of their product disclosure statement can be found there too. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. All right, that'll do us. Thank you very much for joining me, and I do hope to see you next time on the Dom Harvey Podcast. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.